Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Solar Market uh, Series. Uh, my name is Erez Lulev, and I'm the Managing Director here at Renvu. Uh, today, we're going to be hearing from Ricky Sklanowski and John Ornall hey, about NIM3 and, and how you can use the Lumen Smart load management tools hey, to overcome the issues that uh, NIM3 created. Uh, before we dive in and while we're waiting for more people to join, I'd like to give a little background on uh, Renvu and some of the products and services we offer. Um, Renvu is a, a US-based solar equipment distributor established in 2012. Uh, all of our sales engineers have engineering background and uh, we have fulfillment facilities in California, New Jersey, and Texas. Uh, I'd like to share with you uh, several promotions that we are offering to the participants on this webinar today. Uh, when you're buying the Lumin Smart Panel with any combination of solar converter and battery bank from uh, Fortress or HomeGrid, I will give you a $500 Visa gift card. And we're also offering the QCells QHome ESS that you can see here with a 7.6 kilowatt inverter and three 6.3 kilowatt battery banks. Uh, when you're buying these, we're we're giving two more batteries for free. And uh, when you purchase with Lumin Smart Panel, we will give a $1,000 Visa gift card. So you're getting a system here with a 7.6 kilowatt inverter and 31 kilowatt uh, battery uh, power. Um, then we're now also uh, offering unbeatable pricing on the Enphase microinverters and N-Charge Enphase energy storage, if you're interested in those. Uh, we are sharing a link now to our commercial modules price list in the chat. Uh, here you can find all our available modules and tiered pricing for each one of these. Uh, we recommend to use this uh, spreadsheet uh, as a tool uh, for market pricing analysis since we are updating it daily with any market uh, changes and availability. Uh, the same spreadsheet on the second tab, uh, you can find some special clearance items uh, with special pricing. You can see here the QCLZ Assist, uh, SolarEdge optimizers, inverters and batteries, and some uh, end-phase microinverters, batteries and combiners and uh, more products. Uh, this is a really good resource. If you're using these brands, I really encourage you to, uh, to see this because the pricing here is unbeatable. I don't think you can find it anywhere else. Um, I'll take a minute also to mention Bleak here, a residential uh, carport. This is a great way to expand existing solar system or an alternative solution where you cannot install solar on a roof. Uh, shown here is the two-car carport. There is also an option for a tandem solution with, with uh, shared columns. So you can connect multiple of those when you, when you need a carport for more than two cars. Uh, it is designed to be assembled by a crew of two. It doesn't require any specialized or heavy machinery to install. Uh, this is a solar structure, so it's eligible for the 30% ITC and the extra 10% for US-made uh, products when you... Uh, when you uh, uh, use also modules that are made in the US, the carport is supplied with the iron reach system and other panel clamps. So it accepts any solar module and inverter you want. Uh, when combined with a bleaker EPDM T gasket, the surface become watertight. You can add uh, decorative mesh to hide the solar components and electronics. 
and more uh, more accessories um, that we we have available for this. Uh, the structure is coming with a structural engineer PE stamp. You can install up to 24 solar modules with four columns of six modules. Just basic load, uh, the basic load capacities uh, of 35 pound per square foot snow load. It can be upgraded to 65 pound per square foot. It has uh, 175 miles per hour wind load and seismic design category E. So really you can install it almost anywhere uh, in the US. The two car carport, uh, is 18 feet wide and 18 feet uh, deep with uh, nine and a half feet clearance, and it comes with five degree tilts. Um, you can find the 3D module uh, model on the uh, of the tandem uh, carport and the standalone carport on the Bleakier website. Uh, we are sharing a link to the uh, to the website uh, that you can in order for you to be able to play with it and uh, and see the components of this uh, this system. Uh, one last item to go over uh, before we get started here uh, is the uh, is our solar design and quote tool. You'll find it on our on top of our homepage of Renvu. You can generate as many quotes as you need in a couple of minutes without the, the need to wait for a sales engineer. It's available for 24-7. Um, you can choose you choose the panel that you want. And then next, you will configure the racking uh, system from a wide range of options. Um, I'm selecting metal tilted roof, two arrays. Let's choose the trapezoidal um, sheet. And then I'll select two arrays here. Then first array with uh, eight modules in portrait. And then uh, choose five modules in landscape for the second row. The second array, I will put nine modules in portrait, just to show how it's uh, how it's done. And I'll select here uh, black rails and black clump because I selected an all black module. And I'll extend the span to six feet. Everything that I'm doing actually changes the bill of material on the list. Select the XR100 here, and the system creates a sketch of the of the arrays that I created. Then next step will be to choose your inverter. Um, you can select between microinverters, optimizers, or string. The next question would be: Do you want uh, energy storage? I'll select uh, yes, and then. On the left side, you, you will see the bill of materials building up. Uh, and when you're logged in to your account, prices changes as you edit your system configuration. This is a great way to compare the cost of different options in real time. Our team updates this tool constantly with the latest solar components and pricing currently available in the market. So uh, it's really good, a good tool. I don't think there is anything like this available uh, online. This is actually what our sales engineers are using in order to create uh, great proposals on the back end. Um, next question, you can select here if you want um, cabinet for the batteries and the inverter. And then if you need the shutdown, I'll select uh, just the shutdown. 
and then you can you can just elect to get a little bit more uh, several uh, spare modules if you need it um, then other bill of materials and ev chargers i will select two ev chargers here and that's it so next step you'll get the bill of materials and pricing quantities and then uh, you can uh, you can just uh, click here to generate the quote and it will email it to you if you're logged in it will also add it to your uh, your account here you will be able to edit the quote add products quantities change quantities um, email it to you print it or a or actually purchase the bill of material. Okay. I think uh, we can start now. Uh, we have significant number of participants already. Uh, this webinar is being recorded and we will upload it to our YouTube channel and it will be available also as a podcast. Uh, we'll share the links uh, in the follow-up email. If you have any questions during the presentation or the Q&A session, Use the Q&A button uh, to make it easier for us to make sure we answer all questions. If we will not get to anything, uh, we will uh, follow up with an email. Uh, so, Ricky, I think uh, I think you can take over now and start sharing your slide deck. Awesome. Thanks for that, Eris. And we'll start sharing. All right, so you should see uh, my face along with John's right now. I'm just going to start here in a second. Okay. All right, well, thanks, everybody, for joining. Uh, to very briefly introduce myself, my name is Ricky Sklanowski. I'm the Distribution Sales Manager for the Western States here at Lumen. I reside in Southern California, in Ventura specifically. Been in the renewable industry since about 2010, primarily working in PV and storage. Uh, but with Lumen, this is my first time working for a company that specializes in smart load control and energy management. And I'm excited to share with you how an EMS like Lumen fits into your NEM 3.0 strategy. John, do you want to take a moment to introduce yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Ricky. Uh, John Arnaud, I've been in the industry now uh, since 2009. Um, at Lumen, I focus on our strategic accounts and partnerships. And I did want to just thank the Renview team for um, inviting us on the call today. And what an awesome promotion that y'all are running. So I hope everyone on the call uh, takes advantage of that. That's a really great, uh, a really great incentive. So thank you for that. And thanks for having us. Awesome. Thanks, John. All right. Well, thanks once again for joining. We think we've prepared something really informative for you today. Um, as a quick overview of the agenda, I'm going to give you a little background as to who we are. I'm going to hand it over to John to give us an M3.0 overview and discuss some of the economics behind it. Then I'll come back on and discuss a little bit more about how um, you can strategize with the Lumen Smart Panel around M3.0. And John will come back on and round us out. Um, also, just to let you know what you're seeing right there on your screen, um, while well, you see our, our slogan, Control What Matters, uh, which is essentially what you're doing with the Lumen Smart Panel. Um, and you can see kind of like the... Uh, uh, where we started, that was the first Lumen smart panel ever built by our founder, um, Alex Bajanov. So, um, and that's kind of morphed into uh, something a little bit uh, smaller for and a little bit more aesthetic for your home. So Lumen got its start in 2016 by Alex, uh, the aforementioned, and 
uh, we had a, a simple mission in mind, um, and that was to make ordinary circuits and any service panel smart and responsive. Our core competency is always going to be in load management. So what we are not is an inverter manufacturer who has a side product as a load controller or an ESS company that dabbles in load control. We're seeing a lot of that lately. But, you know, this, this segment of the market can get pretty complex. And one thing that we will guarantee is that we will be squarely focused on it and ahead of the curve. All right, so it's also important that we start by allaying some fears about NEM 3.0. Um, with the arrival of NEM 3.0, there's been, to say the least, a lot of news about solar's demise in California. Um, at Lumen, we have a somewhat unique and more optim optimistic perspective. I will point out that Hawaii went through something very similar in 2015 when they ended net metering almost overnight. And as a solar community, we overcame that. In many ways, their situation was a lot more onerous because they, you know, they literally upended it overnight. So there's no reason why we can't overcome that here in California. To that end, we have electric, electrification legislation and mandates already on the books. Um, and the biggest part of that energy mix, uh, it really has to be solar. So, so what's coming? What's on the forefront here? We, we see that in 2026, all new homes can only include electric appliances, all new builds. Uh, in 2035, this one's a controversial one, um, all new car sales must be electric. In 2045, Senate Bill 100 sets a target of 100% carbon-free electricity. Uh, but more importantly, um, uh, solar will continue to be economical with storage um, and smart load control, as we're going to show you. So now to give us a little bit of an overview of NEM 3.0 and go over some of the economics behind it, I'm going to hand it over to John. Thank you so much, Ricky. And, and I think you bring up a lot of really good points. Um, I, I know a lot of folks on this call have invested a significant portion of your career in renewables and in the, so the solar space. And so with all the chatter that took place leading up to NEM3 and then certainly the, the final decision of NEM3, I think there was a lot of apprehension as to how viable this market will continue to be. But I think, Ricky, you bring up some really good points. Hawaii's been through it. That solar market continues to thrive. And then all of the stuff that's on the books uh, here in the coming years that pertains to renewable energy and solar, um, I think we can all rest assured uh, that we have a really meaningful and positive runway ahead of us in this space. So I hope everyone is <clears throat> buckled down and, and ready for the ride. We call it the solar coaster for a reason. Um, let's jump into um, just kind of an M3 overview, uh, what it is and what it isn't. I will say um, a lot of the folks on the call probably have a general gist at this point of um, what the new uh, NEM economics look like. This could have been a lot worse. So when you looked at some of the earlier proposals that the utility companies were proposing to the CPUC, um, there were fixed charges on a per KW basis based on what was installed in the home. There was talk around not allowing uh, NEM2 customers to be grandfathered. There were so many um, things that really could have been catastrophic for the industry, and CALSA fought very hard uh, by way of support from a lot of the folks on this call to ensure that the policy that we ended up landing on was something that we could work within. Certainly, there's going to be a lot of a, 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 a bit of an adjustment period, um, but uh, who it's impacting, essentially uh, residential, commercial, and agricultural sites. So any of those, pretty much all new solar that's deployed, deployed in California, NEM3 will impact it to some extent. 
I've heard some chatter based on some of the nuances associated with commercial sites leading up to NEM3 that uh, residential seems to have gotten kind of the, the most obvious impact. Um, and really what it is um, probably depends on who you ask, but essentially um, the uh, KW export rates are transitioning to an avoided cost calculator. Really to me, what that means is the big IOUs in California are looking at when a unit of power is net metered from a solar system within their service territory, uh, what would it have cost them in that increment of time to produce it at a different generation facility, whether it's natural gas, hydroelectric, or whatever. Uh, but use that as context. In a moment, we'll show the export rate card in one of the utility companies, and you can kind of get a general sense of um, uh, what that means and, and why it varies throughout the, the course of the day and the course of the year. Um, this, this is a thing of the past. So NEM3 is here um, April, leading up to April 15th. I know there's a lot of activity getting those NEM2 customers um, approved by the utility companies. The number of NEM applications that were submitted leading up to NEM3 was phenomenal. So thank you everyone on the call for your hard work. Um, I think we all know um, what has those that have been impacted essentially PG&E, SCE, and SDG&E, and also the CCA utility companies that operate within those service territories. Interestingly enough, I've been thinking a lot about this lately, um, some of the municipal utility companies, as all of this commotion was going on with the IOUs, some of the municipal utility, utilities like SMUD actually uh, also updated their NEM policies. So I live in SMUD territory. Um, my export right now is a flat seven and a half cents. It used to be a one-to-one. -one. So lots of stuff going on as, as California transitions to this new realm. Um, and why they're doing it, I think um, in the end, it's almost not even worth talking about. Uh, depending on who you talk to, you'll get a different answer. I think those of us in the solar industry, we have our opinions. The utility companies say that um, it was an unfair exchange before. Um, lots of stuff going on there. One thing I did want to call out, a lot of folks might be on the uh, on the call might be aware, NEM3 is here. So when you're processing a net metering application, it is falling into the NEM3 bucket. What a lot of folks don't know is that the utility companies aren't yet ready to uh, bill against these new export rate uh, values. So we still, customers that are getting commissioned today under NEM3, are still getting that more kind of one-to-one -one exchange from the utility companies until they're ready to put some process behind accurately reflecting um, export rates under this new, this new method. So when that's going to happen to be determined, um, I wouldn't go and sell customers on this because that's gonna be a bit short-lived. Uh, one thing I did wanna call out, so CalSA put together some really meaningful and useful information. On the left here, you see essentially under NEM2 on the far left of those charts, what the export rate values are. And then um, you can see over time um, what export rates have become under NEM3. And if you look at only this, it's pretty scary. Um, but in the next slide, we'll talk about why it's not quite as daunting as those, those charts may appear. So what you have here, um, this is PG&E. Uh, this is their export rate card for 2023. And so you can see it's by hour of the day, uh, one representing essentially uh, 12 a.m. And then, so hour of the day and then the corresponding month throughout the course of the year. So if you take just this 
and you average every one of those cells, you're going to get uh, an export rate value of around six and a half or seven cents. What this is telling us is that the dynamics of solar in California have changed uh, quite significantly. And the way we're thinking about solar and PV design and the importance of storage, all of that is changing. So we all have to be kind of relearning our trade in many ways, but there's an area to focus on, which is um, what's what's sort of in the industry been, been labeled power hours. So in August and September, you have these windows of time where it's highly lucrative for a customer to export kilowatt hours back to the grid. Um, click one, I think we've got an animation here. So what we did is we took, um, we modeled a very generic solar system, 7KW, typical azimuth, typical shading inputs. And then we looked at solar production on an hourly basis based on output from PV watts and some other assumptions that we have in there to give us an outline of what a fairly typical solar system might do in California. And not coincidentally, um, the green bar represents or the green boxes represent where uh, what hours in the day you're getting more than one kilowatt hour of production. Um, so when you're really seeing some value out of your solar system, and it's not a coincidence that uh, your peak solar production curve doesn't land in those power hours. So this was very strategic. Um, there is so much solar deployed in California that the utility companies are getting this mass influx of net meter uh, kilowatt hours from solar. And so in that moment in time, it doesn't cost the utility companies a lot of money to create a unit of power. They're not turning on those peaker plants. Um, so they're able to benefit from lower cost kilowatt hours. As a result, the reimbursement rate suffers. Um, so it makes you wonder with these power hours, um, what do we do with those? So there's an economic value for a customer to export kilowatt hours during that window. However, their solar system is kind of tapering off uh, from a production perspective during that course, uh, during that moment in time. Um, so Ricky, if you want to click next one. So what it all means, uh, when you look at kind of from a uh, more of a 30,000 foot view in California, the avoided cost of power is going to remain very high. So solar in and of itself, it's going to have a return. There's going to be some sort of economic value proposition. Although as we showed, the, um, the pure solar export uh, reimbursement rate is going to drop. Maybe in your market, it was an average of 28 cents or 38 cents a kilowatt hour or so. On average, throughout the course of the day, it's going to fall to around 7 cents. Um, and so based on some of the data that CalSA put together, the average payback time is going to, uh, return on investment for solar is going to bump out to around nine years or so uh, with just solar at around 330 a watt. Um, it's worth mentioning that on the right, you're seeing these export rate adders. So PG&E and SCE have given us a little bit of urgency where customers who sign up um, under NEM3 in 2023, every increment of time, they're gonna add 2.2 cents a kilowatt hour to the reimbursement rate. In SCE, it's four cents. If you're selling into low income communities, uh, the, the adder um, is actually a little bit higher, not modeled before in that in that export rate graph. So a little bit of a kicker. Um, they're, they're calling this kind of the soft landing to help the solar industry adjust a little bit and to create a little bit more equity um, that we can sort of more effectively sell into lower income communities. Um, but really what all of this means 
is that historically storage was really an emotional response in California to ESPS events and customers losing some Wagyu beef uh, in their deep freeze when the grid went out for a couple of days. Um, otherwise, the grid is pretty stable in California. And so now, based on these export rate values and the different windows of time, storage truly has an economic value proposition in California. Um, and one really massive win uh, that was really prompted by CALSA under this new NEM3 structure is that for the first time, you can export kilowatt hours from a battery to the grid for grid export credit. So before you weren't really supposed to do that, now you can. You just need to make sure that the uh, kilowatt hours that are charging the battery come from renewables. But this is really important. This is a really important thing to hone in on uh, because it really allows us to benefit from those power hours by way of properly operating en an energy storage system. Uh, next slide, Ricky. So what we did, we took that, um, we took all of this information, we took that same solar system that we modeled and we kind of created a bit of a hypothetical scenario here, looking at the different operating modes that a typical energy storage system is going to out of the box come with. Um, typically those are going to be uh, reserve or backup. So storms coming, slam it into backup. You sit there with hundred percent state of charge. If the grid goes down, you've got a full bank of power to pull out from. In an on-grid setting, most customers are either going to be operating in a self-supply mode or a time of use or savings mode. Self-supply um, is as it sounds. Customers will uh, pull from their battery and their solar before they touch grid power. And then uh, a savings or time of use mode will keep that, ba that battery topped off until a predetermined window of time where it will begin to export power back to the grid. So in this scenario that we modeled, we looked at a hypothetical of what if you did self-supply for the vast majority of the year? You're using your solar, when the sun goes down, your battery kicks in, starts to cover the loads. But then in August and September, you adjust your energy storage system operating mode to discharge all of the power that it can during those two windows. So in this hypothetical, we have a storage system with about 26 kilowatt hours uh, 10 kW of continuous output capacity. Uh, we looked at some of the other, you know, generic um, modeling that we did for this customer. And what we found is that if performed this way, you can create roughly about 2000 or so dollars of net metering credit, dollar credit during a two month window during that two hour block of time, 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. So when you think about that, it brings a new level of context to our industry and how we're designing and specking systems. Um, I consider this kind of like Bitcoin mining in a way or, you know, buy low, sell high. But it gives control back to the customer where we can be very thoughtful in how we're designing these solar systems and these storage systems that when you're dumping power back to the grid, um, you you can really start to kind of uh, rack up those those export uh, dollar credits from the utility company. Now, keep in mind, every site's going to be a little bit different. A lot of folks are going to be leaning on some of the proposal creation tools to model this effectively. But at its kind of basic concept, those two power hours are extremely valuable, and they will start to define um, how customers are seeing the best return on investment in this new NEM3 world. Um, next slide, Ricky. 
So it begs the question, uh, we have solar, um, you know, in NEM2, we could go out, we could offset. If the customer used 14,000 kilowatt hours a year, we design a system to offset that, we're good to go, pretty simple. Now in this new world, we're balancing solar plus storage. Um, I had mentioned before, to export to the grid for grid credit, we have to make sure that the storage systems are being charged from uh, solar. So solar on site is, is filling up that battery. Uh, one thing that's really important to mention is that in order to benefit from that power hour, in order to obtain maximum benefit, um, you, need to make, be make, you need to make sure that when your ESS is discharging power, it's not just discharging power to load, but it's actually finding its way to the grid. And most of these, I should argue, path of least resistance, all of these storage systems are gonna to wanna to cover load that's happening in the home before those kilowatt hours make their way to the grid. And you might say, yep, I'll talk to the customer at point of sale. We'll tell them, you know, uh, August and September between six to eight, try not to use any big appliances, really just leave it to lights, refrigerator, internet, let that battery discharge back to the grid. But customer behavior is extremely difficult to, to predict. And customers, uh, solar customers like myself, uh, can be very forgetful. This is a long-term play. And so it kind of begs the question, is PV and storage enough? I would argue probably not if a customer wants to, to really maximize the return on investment of PV, whether it's a PPA, a lease, a loan, or a cash transaction. So... Uh, Ricky's going to talk about the concept of what if we could make it easier for customers to set it and forget it and control this, this aspect of, of the equipment that's being installed in their home. So Ricky, why don't you take it away? Yeah, thanks for that, uh, John. Um, yeah, so we think the best way to set it and forget it is, of course, with the Lumen Smart Panel. Um, and what is the Lumen Smart Panel? One of the first questions we get is, is Lumen a load center? Do you have a bus bar? The answer is no and no to both of those questions. So we are an add-on device uh, and it can be retrofitted onto any existing system or it can be implemented at the time of initial system installation. A big distinction between us and similar competition is that we aren't replacing or tearing out any load, load center. Uh, we're just adding a device and that typically makes our installations quicker than the competition. Another distinction um, is that we can be coupled with any inverter out there and since we're not a load center, our system contains less expensive metals like copper. It doesn't contain uh, componentry like circuit breakers, uh, which are expensive. And so all of that keeps our equipment costs lower. Um, if, you're, if you're wondering, you use the circuit breakers that are already in your existing panel. Um, and since we don't have all that extra gear inside the unit that you see on your screen there, uh, we only weigh about 27 pounds. So it's not cumbersome for your uh, you know, anyone can really lift 27 pounds, any installer, um, I would hope. Um, so some additional accolades you can see on your screen there. Um, it's always nice to say uh, that we could, we manufacture in Charlottesville, Virginia. We have about 3,000 installations in the field um, and counting and so on and so forth. So... Um, now we're going to get into how to strategize uh, and set up systems in NEM 3.0 and ultimately fight back, uh, if you want to call it that, um, go on offense, as John likes to say, um, on the CPUC ruling. Um, if you remember from that map, that heat map that John showed you, there are a couple of hours. Uh, those are those hours, uh, the power hours, they are specifically from six to eight. 
where exporting power can be very lucrative. And they're, they're in the dead of summer. They're in August and September. So a very basic strategy, this is what John alluded to, uh, would be to schedule your ESS to export power when TOU export rates are favorable. And then number two, scheduling Lumen to automatically shed loads during those same power hours, if that is practical. Um, the customer will always have uh, the power to turn on and off loads using the Lumen app that you see on the right. So what you're essentially doing is if you shed the load, um, uh, if you're exporting, well, first of all, if you're exporting from your ESS and then you simultaneously shed all your loads in your system um, or in your home, you're just going to be dumping kilowatt hours back to the grid. Um, and you can really take advantage of those almost $3 a kilowatt hour rates that occur during the, the power hour. So most of the year, um, as we saw, you're getting pennies to export. So you would schedule your ESS to self-consume during those hours as much as practical for the homeowner. And just to show you quickly uh, how you would program that with the Lumen Smart Panel, there you see August and September at the bottom of your screen um, from six to eight, those are your power hours. So we can turn off, as you can see on the top of the screen there, your, your dryers, your AC, your heat pumps, whatever loads you want to, uh, you could shut it all down and just again, dump kilowatt hours back to the grid. And if you happen to need to use your AC during that time frame, you can absolutely tap into it in the Lumen app and, and, and start up your AC. And, and by the way, self-consumption, as we discussed in the previous slide, uh, could be achieved by installing something uh, that's shown in this uh, single line diagram. Notice that uh, the Lumen is, is attached. You see it on the bottom of the single line diagram. It's attached to the main service panel. You can do a sub panel if you want. Um, that is totally fine. Um, retrofits of existing solar and storage systems will, will probably be in a, in a protected loads panel, and you can attach the Lumen to that protected loads panel. Um, and with self-consumption, it will always be some combination of storing power in the ESS during the daytime hours and running loads off that stored power at night. Um, as the title of the slide in indicates, the addition of an EMS system like Lumen is really going to simplify your sales processes and improve end-user customer experience. Uh, one thing I consistently do now is offer, um, in my own sales process, is offer my customers a whole home backup. Um, and they, this number two and three are, here are really important on this list. Um, any customer can now have a whole home backup, regardless of battery inverter type, budget, or available physical space. So what that means is, you know, and I come from, again, the world of PV and storage, no more stacking a ton of gear, namely batteries and inverters, in the event that all those loads you see in the in the main service panel there turn on at once. You know, you're not sizing for that worst case scenario. Um, you let Lumen do all the work. Um, and then number three, point number three there, a, a whole home backup um, equals the greatest chance for the home loans to the home the home's loads to consume PV generation. Uh, and that should be the, the goal of any system installed in M3.0 is to have your loads consume as much of the PV generation as possible and to import as little grid as possible. If you think about a traditional system with a few loads in a protected loads panel, say if a customer wants to self-consume, it's often those few loads in the critical loads panel that take precedent 
in receiving the PV and storage power, depending on the setup. So this means that the majority of the loads would still be in the main service, primarily consuming utility generated power. So a question you might have now um, is how can a customer back up an entire home with just a small system? Well, you never really have to worry about that with Lumen Smart Power Mode. When the grid is active, as you may have seen in the uh, single line diagram, the customer has essentially a, a limitless energy source in the grid itself. Um, so they can conceivably turn on all the appliances at the same time if they want. When the grid goes down, however, the ESS becomes that limiting factor and Lumen will always try to stay below the continuous power rating of their system. So in this case, you can see there in the, what's circled in red, um, in the, it's actually in the gray area, right below where it says 2370, um, that our inverter in this system is 7 kW, 7,000 watts. So um, Lumen will shed the lowest priority loads first to try to always stay below 7,000 watts during a power outage. Um, and, the active, and the end customer can, can actively change around their priority of the loads in the Lumen app with essential in that gold category of, of their meaning, those always have to be on. So those loads will always be on no matter what during a power outage. And then to skip down to the bottom, you'll see a gray bar there, a gray row, it says undesired. So these are loads that it's kind of the inverse of essential. Those are loads that will definitely be turned off during in the event of a power outage. So these are things that might be irresponsible to turn on um, when you're on limited power energy, like an EV charger, as you can see in that list. So that'll automatically turn off. And then the real magic happens in that optional category. So in this instance, um, the AC upstairs is the most the highest rated um, load. And that will, will try to keep that on first. Uh, but it, the water heater at the bottom, if we're approaching 7,000 watts, the remember that's the continuous uh, rating of the inverter, we're gonna start shedding those lower priority loads uh, to make sure that it's gonna stay under 7,000 watts. So in this instance right here, we see the water, shed, uh, the water heater was shed um, to stay within the system's capabilities. Um, so what you have in, in, uh, in essence right here is a dynamic critical loads panel, uh, but it's more of a critical, it's not just quite a critical loads panel because you have access as you can see to all the loads in your home. Um, and you can toggle these around, switch categories if you need to. Even if you wanted to get a little charge in that EV charger to get to a grocery store, uh, you could do that. You might need to toggle off, um, you know, the AC or the oven or what have you to, to get that EV charger going. Uh, but if you just need a little charge to get to the supermarket and back, you can certainly do that. So I hope you can see here how you the customer has a, uh, essentially a whole home backup with access to 100% of their loads. All right. So I've heard from others what I call the prevailing wisdom on the topic of NEM 3.0. Um, I've heard that you can get through this uh, situa uh, situation, this new paradigm, so to speak, by building smaller systems. And you definitely got to increase the training for solar salespeople to improve technical acumen. Uh, those are valid and really important, not trying to trivialize those ideas. Uh, but I want to point out that that is made so much easier by having real-time load analysis. So uh, Lumen will perform 15,000 readings per second uh, of, your, of your loads uh, in one second interval data. So that what that means is that a solar salesperson doesn't have to be super precise about right sizing a solar plus storage system because Lumen will automatically monitor 
control and effectively inject intelligence into the system. We talked in the previous slides about how you can build smaller, modestly sized systems with Lumen. But with that being said, I want to make clear point number four there. Um, smaller systems do come with some limitations. Um, so I don't want to, I do want to be clear about that. For example, you might want, the customer uh, might want a bigger ESS uh, for extended grid outages. Maybe they want to self-consume more load for a longer period of time to cut back on grid usage. Maybe they want to you know, be super green uh, and offset as much carbon as possible. So this is how, you know, with Lumen, the conversations of the solar salesperson will shift. Um, and those kind of conversations will become of increased importance. But nevertheless, you can start off with something really uh, modest um, uh, and not overextend the budget of the homeowner. Uh, okay, so just a quick high-level overview on how Lumen is installed, in case you're wondering how this works. Uh, we are simply, as you can see in figure two there, uh, intercepting the circuit on the way to the load. So it's really a two-step installation process. Um, you can see figures one and two there. So what we're going to do uh, as the installer is that we are going to uh, disconnect that load wire from the breaker. You'll see, and then the Lumen smart panel comes pre-wired with a bunch of blue wires coming out of it. Um, and um, half of those wires roughly will say load on them. They'll actually have the word load written on them. So in this case, we're going to attach, looks like a dishwasher to one of those load wires so Lumen can control it. And then that load, that same load wire will have a corresponding wire that says breaker. And you just attach the breaker wire back to the breaker. So now instead of going from breaker to load, we go from breaker to Lumen Smart Panel to load. Um, so these um, splices, like when you're splicing on the load wire, that can be some, done with something as simple and as cheap as a wire nut. We can control any circuit up to 60 amps. And one thing important to keep in mind is that we can install up to six dual pole circuit breakers or up to 12 single pole circuit breakers or any combination thereof. The LSP, that's the Lumen Smart Panel, can be stacked, uh, but we generally find that one is sufficient for the vast majority of, of homes. Um, yeah, so we, we landed on 12 circuits. Um, so you're probably wondering why we chose 12 instead of something like 40, um, which is you know maybe something more typical for a 200 amp service. Um, well, it's a bit of the 80-20 rule. So if you think about, you know, usually um, if you do analyses of these um, systems, typically you'll find that it's 20% uh, of one's loads create about 80% of the total demand or 20% of a homeowner's loads comprise 80% of their electric bill. So really a basic strategy when you're installing or selling a Lumen smart panel is you want to choose to attach the LSP to those loads that are generally the largest energy and power hogs in the home. Um, so that is um, really what you want to focus on, you know, your, your um, AC, your hot water heater, electric ranges, EV chargers, things like that. All right, so this is my last slide. I'm going to hand it over um, to John to round us out over here. Thanks, Ricky. Uh, we've covered a lot of information today. Um, I hope that the main takeaways are that the Lumen Smart Panel is going to deliver a faster return on investment for your solar plus storage customers in California. Um, but as Ricky had mentioned, 
It's also going to provide a lot of value to your installers, faster installs, um, no more critical load panels uh, that provide you know no value to the customer, uh, but also a better long-term customer experience, um, a better long-term solar plus storage experience, especially in an off-grid environment. And then we also talked about the fact that the Lumen Smart Panel has on-grid functionality that the customer can benefit from, a lot of meaningful insights from consumption data on a circuit level that customers can benefit from. Um, so a lot of stuff going on and a lot of things that the Lumen Smart Panel can deliver to your business and to your customers. Um, I also wanted to call out, Ricky had mentioned uh, being able to install less storage per site, but still give the customer a, a true whole home backup experience. And I think that's critically important because as we look towards this NEM3 world where pretty much everyone's getting storage, four or five or six different batteries isn't always within budget for a customer. But if you're if you're matching hypothetical maximum load um, with your storage, you're going to be building these giant storage systems. So we deliver a way to provide a much more economical approach to um, solar and storage in M3. So there's a lot of different angles to look at. If all of that stuff isn't enough to get everyone ex on the call excited and, and to start thinking about the Lumen Smart Panel, um, it is worth mentioning that there are some incentives that are kind of uh, uh, icing on the cake, so to speak. Um, I won't talk a lot about this first one uh, just because it's reserved for low to mid income households. And I do not have clarity on how we identify those customers. Although if you have worked in low income communities before, you might have a better sense. If you do identify those customers, you can assume that the vast majority of a Lumen panel install is going to be covered. Um, but the two to really hone in on, we are eligible for the ITC. So you can take essentially 30% off the top um, associated with the installation of the Lumen smart panel. And then there's a specific one that all customers will be eligible for. Um, it is the energy efficient home credit. So it's a new line item in the IRA where uh, we will be eligible for $600. Um, essentially during tax time, the customer will get an additional $600 tax credit associated with the installation of the Lumen Smart Panel. So when you net it all out, um, Ricky had talked about how easy these things are to install. We generally see one to two, maybe three hours if it's your first one. Um, and so looking at that, looking at your costs for labor, um, let's say hypothetically, these are going in for about 3,500 bucks to the customer. They're going to get the $600 credit plus the 30% ITC um, net to the customer. It's gonna be, call it, you know, 1,900 bucks, $2,000 or so. Um, we had showed before how properly uh, exporting to the grid during those power hours will create about $2,000 of economic uh, benefit to the customer per year. Um, and so very easy at the kitchen table to show a customer that the Lumen Smart Panel will pay for itself very quickly and provide, once again, a much better uh, long-term customer experience. And hopefully that results in more referrals to uh, your organizations as your, as your customers are are pleased with the way that their solar system and storage system is operating, um, especially in an off-grid environment, no nuisance tripping, et cetera. So anyhow, that rounds us off here. Um, I think we've got some time for Q&A, but thank yeah. you everyone for joining. And I hope- uh, Yeah, John. Yeah, go ahead, Ricky. Yeah, John, you know, I, but wait, there's more. Uh, one thing- oh, I'm I, sorry. Yeah, no, it's, it's okay. Um, you didn't know I was gonna bring this up. Uh, but one thing I'll also add, just because um, I just reminded myself, 
that uh, Renvu is located right there in Mountain View. Um, uh, their neighbor, uh, right in their backyard, Silicon Valley Power in Santa Clara, for those of you, there's, there's more incentives is basically what I'm trying to tell you. They're basically offering a, a free smart panel when combined with, with the IRA. So if you are, if you serve that or somewhere in that area um, of Renvu's headquarters and you serve um, Silicon or Santa Clara, I should say, uh, they're offering a $2,000 rebate for smart panels. Uh, they call it their $2,000 smart panel rebate. So when you combine that with this, you're essentially either getting a free or highly subsidized uh, Lumen smart panel. Additionally, throughout the state, um, I was showing John the other day in SMUD territory, uh, similar, not quite the same uh, incentive, but it's for electrification. Um, Santa Monica, same thing. Alameda, same, you know, very similar programs, uh, which I'd be happy to share with anyone um, if they want to contact us. Um, but yeah, um, that's a, pretty much all I have. I think, John, you were going to round us out here. And um, we have this one last slide here. Um, and then yeah. we can take some questions. Yeah, and Ricky, um, you, you bring up a really good point, something that we haven't talked about before. We've talked about the Lumen Smart Panel uh, through the context of new solar and storage systems. Uh, this is also a great device to retrofit current sites. Um, so mm -hmm. if you've got a customer... Um, you know, you can kind of go cross-sell a new solution to your your install fleet, provide additional value, and once again, a better a better customer experience as it pertains to the storage experience. Um, so, if you like what you've heard so far, we offer a ton of different resources from a training perspective, <clears throat> either individualized uh, sales trainings. Uh, we can do technical reviews, single line diagram reviews, product demos, um, and then of course, uh, we're we're so fortunate to have a great partnership with Renview. So. From a pricing and quoting perspective, please contact them, and um, we would love to be in touch with you. It is important uh, if you do decide to deploy some Lumen Smart Panels uh, for your customers, make sure you get certified with us. Uh, we do certifications every Thursday, so you could even catch one tomorrow if you're excited and want to get the process started. All right, there's Q&A. <laughs> yeah, there's Q&A and a little bit of contact information. Um, but let's head to the Q and A. Um, we also got Phil on on the call here, who's going to help us out with these. I don't know if he answered any of these while we were uh, talking away here, but let's see what we can answer. I'll start reading them. Um, does the grid export rate change on the weekends as on and holidays as TOU retail rates do? I can answer that. Yeah, what we showed was um, PG&E weekday which was the lowest bracket um weekends are higher we just wanted to be as conservative as possible in our modeling um and keep in mind it you know it, it's important to note that the export rates there's a forecasted window for the next 10 years that calsa provided and there's some variab variability so you don't want to tell a customer hey it's going to be you know three dollars a kilowatt hour forever um, you know, but really what we're trying to do is we're trying to make sure that the customer's payback falls within a reasonable time by benefiting from the known export rates. I think we've got a nine or, or 10 year um, expectation and um, feel free to contact us if you want some more info. A lot of this data we got from some of the analysis that Kelsa uh, has done. So we're happy to share what we've got and where those those figures came from. I will ask a follow up question here. So. Do you plan or do a update 
existing customers with information like that. So let's say you you know that the window shifted or uh, decreased or increased. Do you have a do you have a, an email going out alerts to uh, to existing customers to let them know that they might want to just uh, the uh, programming? Right now, we're not doing push notifications. I think it's something that we're working on or we're working towards. Um, I will say my understanding is that the peak rate window of between six to eight, that will remain pretty constant, at least for the foreseeable future, next five, 10 years. Uh, it's just the value within that bracket in time. Um, and at no point, really what you want to look at is, is the value, the export rate value higher than the cost it would it would be to buy a kilowatt or a kilowatt hour in that moment and um we expect that to remain uh between six to eight but uh push notifications and some some communication like that i think are on on the way do you do you need to update the device with the daytime or save time uh hours when when it changes well, as Ricky had mentioned, this kind of set it and forget it concept, the customers will schedule when they want certain loads to remain inactive. Um, if the window, the, the high value export rate window adjusted two hours before or two hours after, they would want to go in and update their app, but it's dynamic and it's a few clicks of a button. And I will say this brings up a really good point in that in yesterday's world, customers could be almost oblivious to what was going on and what circuits were using power. I think now we're in this world where customers need to be a little bit more cognizant of what's happening in their home uh, and, and more kind of knowledgeable as to uh, what circuits are pulling the most energy. And I think we didn't talk a ton about circuit le level uh, consumption monitoring, but we've got case studies showing that like customers who are using 42% of their monthly consumption comes from an upstairs AC unit and they, you know, we talk to the customers and they say, what the heck, we're only upstairs. You know, we go to bed at eight, but beyond that, we're never upstairs. So there's a ton of information that the customers can extract from the Lumen Smart Panel to make better decisions. And I think we are entering a world where customers really need to be a little bit more thoughtful in what they're doing and when they're doing it. But we provide all of the data and functionality for them to be able to do that. Sounds Great. So um, I noticed that Phil is actively answering some of these questions um, in the Q&A, and some of them are being designated as uh, ones that we're going to answer live. So uh, the next one up here is from an anonymous attendee. How applicable is the system? Is this system in a non-NEM market? I sell in Florida. Um, it, coincidentally, um, Florida is maybe our biggest market. Um, any customer um, looking for something like a like what we showed you a dynamic whole home backup uh, with solar and storage, um, especially given the natural disasters that can occur anywhere, but frankly occur in places like here in California and Florida, maybe perhaps the most frequently. Um, you know, and you're going to have a lot of intermittency with the grid. Um, I, I would certainly think that this is a, a great product for Florida. Again, uh, perhaps I think it's our number one market. Um, anywhere where there's solar and storage, anywhere uh, where uh, electrification is needed, uh, demand response, uh, we haven't talked about that yet. 
Um, maybe I'm letting the cat out of the, the bag a little bit, but that's another market that we're, we're selling into, uh, that we plan to sell into uh, in the coming months. Um, so all of that stuff is needed uh, in places like Florida. What actually, what, um, uh, you know, forgive me, I don't remember the name of, of the most recent hurricane um, uh, that, that hit Florida, uh, but what they found is that there was tremendous strain on the grid uh, right before the hurricane hit, where everyone was charging up their devices, including their electric cars, to head out of town. So, um, uh, you know, utilities also, um, talking, speaking to the utility side now, are looking for ways to better manage uh, the demand and strains on the grid. Uh, so that's where demand response comes in. Um, so yeah, it, it works great in places like Florida, California, and frankly, all places in between uh, for those markets, namely solar and storage, electrification, and demand response, yeah. Um, let's see here. Um, next question from Robert. Uh, can a backup generator be connected and programmed into a lumen system? Yeah, I mean, we're sort of, um, as long as the battery-based inverter um, has, you know, a, a port for that um, or a, an input for that, um, that's fine. Yeah, we can we can absolutely work with, with uh, solar, storage, grid, and um, a genset. So... That's all fine. As far as Lumen is concerned, we're a little bit downstream from that. So that can totally work. All right. So Gary asks, um, do non-California utilities supply the time month rate chart? Um, non-California utilities supply the time month rate chart. I'm not sure. John, do you... Do you get, get the question? Could I, you I repeat our, the question? Yeah. Uh, Gary asked, do non-California utilities supply the time slash month rate chart? Uh, I think he's you're talking about the tariffs, Gary. Uh, those are typically, um, you know, or the rate schedules, whatever you want to call them. Those are uh, typically provided by uh, any utility. They should be, uh, I, I think, even legally they're required. Um, and th they are... Uh, readily available. I think that's your question. Um, feel free to type in um, if I didn't quite answer your question. So Garrett asks uh, the next question, any commercial versions of Lumen for three-phase buildings in the future? Um, so this one's tricky. Um, looks like Phil's going to type in an answer. Um, we can control two legs of 122A. Um, and if you needed to do a third, it would be uh, you. It's a it's kind of a sophisticated setup with a contactor. Um, it's not a uh, an e it's not like it's something in our manual right now. Uh, but we actually do have a project going in um, that is using controlling two legs of the of the three uh, for one twenty two away two seventy seven four eighty or anything like that. That's uh, not anywhere on the roadmap right now. Okay, so Roland asks, uh, what can happen if all residents being supplied the same transformer operate on solar and storage? Yeah, Ricky, I was I was just about to answer this one. Okay. Uh, it's an interesting question, but Lumen specifically as a demand side manager, we don't have any influence over the transformer. I mean, okay. We could control everybody's demand, and I guess that would keep it underneath the KVA rating, but that's mm -hmm. going to require a 
level of coordination that we're not built for. Right. We're not at the transformer level. Okay, so Jeff asks, is the programming user-friendly for the homeowner or are there resources to help them learn how? Um, so programming, um, as far as commissioning, I, I, I don't want to mince words, maybe it's semantics a little bit. Um, the commissioning and the installation of the system um, uh, should take, be done by the installer. Um, however, as far as programming, um, that is something pretty simple within the app and user-friendly. Uh, we showed, I showed a slide where, uh, if you recall during the power hours, power hours of six to eight in August and September, where you can shut off all loads automatically. And it's literally just drop down menus and, and, you know, fields where you choose the loads. Um, it was pretty self-explanatory. Um, you can, uh, while in the app, um, you can, if you recall that we had an essential category and optional category. Um, in an undesired category, you can use, you, you simply click on the load, you hold long press and then pull up or pull down to move it from those three different categories in and out. Um, there's a toggle feature also where you can just click on the load and it can toggle it on and off. That essentially turns it on and off. It's, it's really quite simple. I think, uh, you'll find. Okay, so Robert Creekmore, oh, I just lost it. Where did it go? But did you just answer that one, Phil? I didn't. I just don't yeah, know. sorry. I'm, I'm, okay. I'm, okay. Um, <laughs> it was whether or not all of the loads will represent uh, on the same interface, and yeah, there is no limit to the amount of loads that can be present on the user interface. However many lumen panels you have, they all they all will uh, show up in the same display. Great. Thanks for that, Phil. And thanks for the question. Okay. I think we're um, on the last question here. Um, uh, William asks, does the Lumen only support one CT for 200 amp service, or can you have a second uh, CT for a solar feed? Yeah, you, we have um, the option to supply you with additional CTs. So if you want one for the solar feed as well, uh, so uh, we, we can we can absolutely uh, provide that for you. Uh, as many CTs as you need to to measure whatever source. All right, so I think okay, we got another question that just came in. Um, is there a way to avoid the? Oh, this is a good one. <laughs> is there a way to avoid the hundred twenty percent rule on a bus bar? Um, I would love to say yes, um, but that's going to involve changing the hearts and minds of the NEC, um, and good luck with that. Um, yeah, there's really no way to uh, that we, uh, you know, it, it requires some lobbying, I think, of the NEC, and so we, I wouldn't advise uh, that we can do that just yet. Although you may find um, what 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 Lumen can do is uh, we can stay. Um, at 80% of the uh, the bus bar capacity of the um, of the service, so we could so if it's a you know a hundred amp panel, we could do we could limit that that smart power to to be 80 amps. Um, so that's one thing we can do. Um, so we're kind of somewhat getting to that point, uh, but it, again, it would involve changing the hearts and minds of the NEC 
Uh, and I think we're we're a bit of a ways away from that. Um, Ricky, can I can I take the next question? Sure, sure. So we have a, a question about the input of dirty power from a generator. Um, uh, Lumen actually does not sense the source of power other than to sense whether or not the grid is present. So while some configurations can delineate between generator and solar power, we don't make decisions based on where the power is coming from. So there is no um, decision making on you know whether it's generator power, whether or not it's clean power. Uh, we manage the load as the as the end user has preference for. It's uh, I hope that answers the question. Thanks, Phil. Okay, um, last question. Uh, I think this was in reference maybe to something else we said. Is that like a span? Uh, span being one of our competitors. Um, uh, I alluded to a little bit. We're, we're not. We're, we're we're not quite like span. Um, uh, the span does involve a, a tear out of the existing service, and again, we're just an add-on device, um, and you know we don't contain a bus bar or circuit breakers. Uh, we're we're really kind of like a load controller. Uh, where span, you are literally doing a tear out of a uh, of a of a service. Um, so those are some of the key differences, some of the main differences uh, between us and span. Um, and if I can. If I can add to that, um, sure. so my I, I haven't really introduced myself on this, and this is the end of our presentation, so it seems like a bad time. But uh, my my background is in is in residential design, um, and so for me, like yes, Span and Lumen do similar things; they serve similar purposes. Um, key difference is that, in my opinion, as a designer. Uh, Span is heavily, heavily reliant on their corporate integrations with SolarEdge and Tesla. Um, if you want to use Span for a non-integrated product, you really have to engineer the entire project around, uh, well, circumventing that integration. Uh, Lumen has put a emphasis on agnosticism, meaning that you get all the functionality of the Lumen panel, regardless of what inverter mod, uh, battery, whatever you want to put in the system. So when we say that these are this is our feature set, that's our entire feature set, no matter who you are or what you're using. Um, when you get a feature set from Span on their data sheet, it's highly, highly conditional on what's around it. So is it like a Span? Yes, uh, but we really tailor it more to the bespoke designer. Yeah, really good point, Phil. Um, we're agnostic. We can work with any inverter, uh, any ESS system out there. Uh, Span does have its limited box of inverters that it, it, it can work with. Um, and we have specific integrations too. We have more advanced integrations uh, currently with SolarEdge and Enphase, which I believe are both offered by Renvu, uh, where we can actually check state of charge of the battery uh as well uh and do state of charge based load shedding uh but nevertheless we can work with any inverter any system out there um we got a follow-up on the the dirty power question um no the power electronics aren't going to be affected by um any irregularities in uh, frequency or voltage um and our voltage tolerance for sensing whether or not the grid is present is down to 36 volts so uh, based on a standard reference of 120. So it would be highly, highly unlikely that there would be ebb and flow that would cause any sort of miscommunication. 
I, I mean, it's not impossible, but unlikely. All right. And so we have some additional questions coming in here. Your example to have Lumen panel installed at 3,500, but after incentives ends up at 1850s, will you have a technician install or uh, or will we find someone to install the panel who is responsible to apply the rebate? How can we send a technician to get trained and get certification to help the homeowner to upgrade the panel? Um, yeah, so well, thirty. Let's let's try to unpack this a little bit. There's a lot there. So, thirty five hundred uh, was our estimated uh, upfront cost, um, and or uh, to to install installed cost, and um, and then we do come down to about eighteen fifty, roughly after rebates, uh, or namely the IRA credits. I think that's what we showed there. Um, you know, it's just it's some rough numbers for you to give you kind of ballpark numbers. Uh, will you have a technician install, uh, or we find some, yes, you would have. So we don't. Uh, we have a um, we have a network of certified installers that we can, um, if they're in your area, uh, we could introduce you to to uh, install the panel, um, or you know, really, um, you know, any if you're in California, any C10 um, could do it. Um, it would, since you are going in the main service panel, we would, you know, we would do highly, highly suggest that a certified electrician does it, uh, who's responsible to apply the rebate. So, um, that's a tax credit. Um, it's not, um, in the IRA, uh, that is. So, uh, you would want to talk to your accountant about that. Um, how can we send a technician to get trained? Yeah. Um, so. I think I understand this. How can we send a technician to get trained or certification? Yeah. So yeah, Phil and others, um, every Thursday, actually, we do a technical training um, to become one of our, what we call our CIs, our certified installers. Um, and and uh, with that, they will, uh, they gain all the knowledge necessary um, to install these things. Um, so, you know, if you have a, a preferred installer that you like, um, you, you see our contact information, hopefully still on the screen. Uh, feel free to get in touch with me or Phil, um, and we can get your your preferred installer um, trained up. And I'll just add on to it. It's a pretty darn simple install. Uh, once you have all of the control conductors into the load center, it's just tying wire nuts. It's, it's, a, it's, it's, it's really, it's, uh, we designed it to be uh, installer friendly. Yeah, uh, I did want to answer this question about a bi-directional car charger. Um, so handle is a bit uh, ambiguous language. We can control the bi-directional car charging circuit, meaning we can exert binary on off control. Um, if the question is, you know, can we uh, feather down the um, delivered power or uh, facilitate uh, V2X use cases. Uh, no, we are only able to use our relay to open and close the circuits. Oh, that would be a neat application uh, for for our roadmap. <laughs> yeah, um, I know I, this is kind of counter to what I was just saying, but um, because we are not a car charger manufacturer, um, any sort of variable usage of a bi-directional or, um, or single directional car charger is really gonna be dependent on a uh, API integration, which we mm -hmm. do not. Exactly. Hey, thank you very much, uh, Ricky, John, and uh, Seal.
that was really fascinating and uh, we actually ten minutes after uh, yes. after the schedule time so that means that it was interesting and people were engaged with uh, questions thank you very much everybody uh, for your questions if you have any more uh, questions to our sales team or to uh, Tulumin's uh, engineering team uh, email us at info at rainbow.com for more information uh, about uh, product and pricing. As I mentioned before, this webinar is being recorded and we will send you a link uh, in a follow-up email with uh, also with all the uh, promotions that uh, we mentioned. I think that with uh, Lumin, with your ESS installations to your customers or if you're a DIYer, adding Lumin is... Uh, is a necessity uh, moving forward with NIM3 and, and regardless, I think controlling, uh, like John said before, controlling what you have at home uh, it became something that every homeowner needs to do uh, moving forward. Um, again, thanks for joining us today and thanks uh, Lumin team. Uh, we will work on the recording and email it to you in the next few days. Have a great rest of your week, everybody. All right, you too. Thank you, Renvu, for hosting, and thank you, everyone, for joining. Have a good one.